So we're going to do Kitzel Shechon Aruch, Simen Kuf Chof Aleph, that's chapter 121, which is Hilachos Tainis Tzibur, the laws for a public fast. Seif Aleph, that's section 1. Mitzvah Asei Medivrei Hanevim. It is a positive mitzvah. This is based on the words of our prophets. The prophets means the uh, in the Nevi'im that we have, the Nevi'im, the Kesuvim. So in the order, the Torah would be the written Torah, the Torah Shavik Sav, which includes the Tanakh Torah, Nevi'im Kesuvim, the Torah, the prophets, and then the writings. So this is the words in the Nevi'im because we find it in the words of our prophets. It was instituted by them. It has more or stronger, uh, I guess, backing than an ordinary uh, institution from the rabbis, which is not from the Nevi'im, which is in uh, later generations that have been instituted. Even though we have to follow everything, but it's just the source from where it comes. This comes from Divrei HaNevi'im, from the words of our prophets. Lihis anois, to fast, on those days that troubles took place to our parents, uh, they instituted that. What is the purpose of the fast? What is the goal of the fast day? That is in order to wake up our hearts, to arouse our hearts. So that we should supervise, we should pay attention for the ways of repentance. Uh, when you fast, it is a little easier to go ahead and arouse your heart to go and return to Hashem. On a full stomach, when you fully feel all full of yourself and you're fully fed and fully satisfied, maybe it's not so conducive to uh, being on a level of teshuva. But when you fast, um, it's easier. This shall be as a remembrance for our bad deeds. And the acts of our fathers that were like our acts today. The reason they went into exile because they must have had the bad deeds as well. That caused them and us those problems. They cause us and them these problems, which means the fact that we have still the problems and we have not yet been freed out of Golos, that means that there's something left over there. The fact that our parents uh, got the troubles in the first place, the exile, that means they probably, they, had, they deserved it. So therefore, we're doing this to remember that there's something that we did, things that were not appropriate, and that's why we were punished. And therefore, when we remember these matters, we will return to do good. As the Pasuk states, uh, I think there's a word missing here. They will confess their sins and the sins of their fathers is what they will confess. And therefore, Chayov Kolish, each person is obligated, Losum El to place to his heart, in those days, in these days of fast days, and to search his actions, and to return from them if they're not, not proper, to return. For the main thing is not just to fast. 
As the verse states when it talks about the people of Nineveh, the famous story we read on Yom Kippur, when Yonah, the prophet Yonah, came to chastise them and to warn them. So the verse states over there that they took to heart what Yonah told them, and he said that the city will be turned over if they don't repent. And they did repent. And then the verse states, Bayar ha'elikim es ma'asehim. God saw their deeds. Now, our sages of blessed memory, our rabbis of blessed memory state, said, The verse does not say that God saw their sackcloth, their fasting, because the verse over there talks about them fasting, about them dress, dressing up with this uh, sackcloth. That doesn't state. Yes. But rather it states that God saw their deeds, that they have repented from their bad ways. So you see over there, our sages point out that the verse emphasizes it is the action, is the return, is the repentance, is the teshuva that they do. It's not just the act. So just fasting without repenting is not really accomplishing the goal. That's not the main goal. The fasting is, is only a preparation for the repentance. So therefore, so he wants to bring out something very practical. Therefore, those people, when they fast, they go for walks. They're taking a time, it's a fast day. So they go for trips. They waste the day with matters that in vain, useless matters. They took hold of the secondary and they neglected the main. The main point is not the fasting. If you're going to waste your day and you're just going to go for walks and you're going to just have a good time because it's a fast day, then you're missing the point of the fast day. Because the fast day is not for the purpose of of, of, of having a good time. The past day is to pay attention, to cause you to feel, to start to think about the situation. Siv base, the second section. The following are the days in which we fast. On the third day of Tishrei, in which Gedalia ben Achikom was killed. He tells you what happened with Gedalia ben Achikom. That's on the third day of Tishrei. He's giving you the order and the year, the way we start from Rosh Hashanah. So he starts with the third day of Tishrei, in which the prophet, Gedal Yibn Achikam. So he says like this, After the Beis Amikdash was destroyed, Nebuchadnezzar, he was the Babylonian king, he left him in Israel to remain over there. He destroyed the Beis Amikdash, he made him the head of the Jewish people in Israel. But then he was killed. He was killed by the other Jews. He was killed. And through this that he was killed, all Jews were exiled then at that point. And thousands of them were killed. So the leftover coal there was a, still a simmering coal in Israel when Nebuchadnezzar originally uh, sent them into exile. But now it was totally extinguished with the death of Gedalia ben Achikam, 
that is why it's considered, and that's why it's considered a fast day, because that represents sort of the end of the beginning, the exile. So which means the end, meaning that the full exile took place at that point, that now everybody in Israel went into exile, as opposed to the beginning when they still had Gidal ben Achikam as a leader in Israel. Didn't the Gidal give out to help to get into the city or something? That's possible. Where they got the water? That was the story with the deer that was running. Um, and it was following the deer. And they showed him the way where it was. Um, that story. But uh, we have to have a look, look that up. Siv Gimel. The section number three. Asar B'Tavis, which is today, the 10th day of Tavis. On that day is Samach Melech Babel, the king of Babel, which is, who's the king of Babel? Nebuchadnezzar Harosha, that's the evil Nebuchadnezzar. So he leaned, he's surrounded, he's put under siege. Al Yerushalayim, on Yerushalayim. He leaned on Yerushalayim. Ve'eviyo b'motzir u'v'motzik. He put it into siege and put it into depression. U'mizan nimshech ha'churbun. And from them the Churban took place. Now, it's brought down, as mentioned the other day, that the 10th day of Teves is actually the most stringent of all the fast days uh, because it is, um, it is um, the beginning, sort of. This is considered the beginning of all the Tzoros that followed. And because the beginning, it's the stronger, the more serious. And as we mentioned yesterday, that's why it's also the most... Uh, powerful to turn it around and do the positive and to bring about uh, the change around. Now, it's brought down in one of the great early codifiers, the Abudraham. He says that had there been possible for the fast of Tevis to come out on Shabbos, we would even fast on Shabbos. So that's something which is a, 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 a tremendous uh, Chidush, it's a novelty, because we know even if Tishabov or Shivasar Betamos, which we know are considered serious fast days in which the temple was uh, first, uh, it was, they broke into Yerushalayim and then they burned the Beis Migdosh on the, as we'll see later on. If they happen to fall on Shabbos, we don't fast on Shabbos. The Shabbos overrides them, and we push off the fast to the next day. We push it off to Sunday. It so happens that the fast of Tevis, the way we have it, our calendar, could never really fall out on Shabbos. So we don't have that possibility. But the Avudraham said, had it fallen out on Shabbos, then it would uh, override the Shabbos. And he gives a reason because with regards to the 10th of Tevis, it says in the Pesach, it says, Be'etzem hayom hazeh, in that day, which is an emphasis that it must be done on that day itself. Now, many of the codifiers challenge the uh, Abudraham, where did he take it, who told him, how does he know? That would be something like a tremendous Chiddush. Now, the Rebbe brings down from, in his footnotes in, in various uh, sikhas, in various talks, that there is actually in Arashi, there's Chuvas there are sources for this. It's not something that the Vudraham uh, just thought up, but this is there are sources for them in various places. But the uh, the other question becomes really 
it doesn't seem to have any practical application as the commentary. They make a, the comment on the Abu Dhabi because now it can't come out on Shabbos anyways. Right? Because we say the 10th day of Tevis can never be on Shabbos. Yeah. Never. So therefore, because that's the way the calendar is set up, it can never fall on Shabbos. There are certain days that don't fall on, on days. Like we have rules in certain days. Like we know like uh, Rosh Hashanah can never fall on Sunday, can never fall on you know, we have various different days, the way the calendar is set up, that it won't fall. So we know that the 10th day of Tevis will never fall on, 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 on Shabbos. So it seems to be academic only. It doesn't seem to have any relevant practical application. Because why? Because when the Beis HaMikdash will be built, then there won't be a fast of Asar B'Tevis, because we won't mourn the destruction of the Temple anymore. And when there is no Beis HaMikdash, we use the calendar, which it cannot fall on Shabbos anyways. So it seems to be merely academic that Asar B'Tavis, had it been able to fall on, on Shabbos, you know, it, what would be the halacha? You know, they say that there was a, a young man who didn't know so well the ways of the world, so he was going out for a shidduch and to meet with, uh, with his prospective uh, wife and uh, he told he says, what do I speak about? So he says, well, you got to speak about family, and you got to speak about uh, love, and you got to speak about philosophy. So, but I guess he wasn't the brightest bulb in town. So he, so he, uh, he goes, he says, you know, uh, he told him to talk about uh, the family, the family. So he asked this, uh, the girl, he asked, do you have any brothers? She said, no. Okay, that takes care of the family part. <laughs> now, let's talk about love. So yes, if she loves potatoes, she says no. <laughs> that takes care of love. No, now what is he going to talk about philosophy? So he wants to know, if you had a brother, you think he would like potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, if it doesn't have in the Torah, it's just a joke, but in the Torah, it has to have some, some, some practical application. It's never going to fall on Shabbos, and when it could fall on Shabbos, we're not going to mourn the temple. But the Rebbe says, wait a minute, that's not so simple. Because after the destruction of the temple, there was a time that uh, they still continued to uh, do it by the witnesses, and it could fall out on Shabbos. And so it, it does have an application there. There is another application that according to some opinions say that even though we don't have the building of the Beis HaMikdash, we can still have a Sanhedrin. So conceivably, we can have a uh, witnesses setting it up and it could be on Shabbos also. So there might be a practical application. So it's not so obvious. But in any event, that's about the 10th day of Tavis. Now, we're going to talk in Siv Dalet in the fourth section. It says, Shiv Osar Betamus on the 17th day of Tamus, Boy Eru Chomish Tsoris. On that time, there were five troubles that took place. Number one, Nishtabru Haluchas Kishayorad Moshe Minhohor. The Luchas, the tablets, were uh, broken when Moshe descended from the mountain. It was, it, it was on that day. As it's written in the Torah. About the Torah describes the incident in which the tablets were broken. This took place on the 17th day of Tammuz. Now, number two, and the daily sacrifices ceased. They were able to, even after the siege, they were able to still do the sacrifices, the daily sacrifice of the morning and the afternoon. But on the 17th day of Tammuz, 
sometime after the siege began, they were no longer able to uh, sacrifice the Korban Tamid. And number three, another thing that took place on the fifth on the seventeenth day of Tammuz was Bahav Kohair that the city was cracked, meaning it was breached during the second temple. Now here we have a little bit of a discussion because he says during the second temple. So it sounds like in the first temple it wasn't on the seventeenth day of Tammuz, because when you read in the Pasik, when you read in the verse, you see that over there it actually took place, in the verse, it took place on the uh, ninth day of Tammuz. So it says like this. Now, we're talking about splitting of the cities, now, of the wall of Jerusalem. Now, the question becomes, you know, we're talking about two temples over here. Up till now, uh, we were talking, when we talk about the 17th of Tammuz, we were talking about the breaking of the luchas, we're talking about the ceasing of the carbon. that is talking about the first temple. But now what we're talking about when the wall were breached, we're talking about the second temple, not the first temple. So he, 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 he clarifies it, he says, even though that during the first destruction, over there it was on the ninth of the month, not the 17th. So it seems like why are we commemorating the 17th, which is only by the second temple, but we are not commemorating seemingly what took place on the first temple, which was in the ninth of the month, not the 17th, Dixiv, as the verse states in Yirmiya Nudbun Beis, Bachoydesh in the fourth month, fourth month starting from Nisan. Nisan is the first month, year is the second. Sivan is the third, and Tammuz is the fourth. It says in the fourth month, on the ninth day of the month, the hunger was very strong in the city, the Goimer, etc. Then it says, and the city was breached. So we see that all this took place when? On the ninth, not on the 17th. So he says, that's true. But when did it take place on the second temple? Avol, Bechurban Hasheni, but in the second destruction, Beshiva Osir Bayhovkoyer. It was on the 17th that the city was breached. So, which one is more to us? Which one should we commemorate? Should we commemorate the first temple or we should commemorate the second temple? So he says, The destruction of the second temple is more stringent to us. Because after the first one, we had a second one. So it wasn't as, it was sort of uh, healed. And so therefore, when we're going to commemorate the destruction, we're not going to commemorate the second one. We're going to, the first one, we're going to commemorate the second one. That's one interpretation. But there's another interpretation. The other interpretation is that it's actually recorded mistakenly in because the people were in, uh, in, in, in such sorrows, they, they mixed it up and it says the 7th, it says the 9th, but it's really also the 17th. And further, it's, we find in the Jerusalem Talmud, the Gamba Rishen Hoya Beshiva also that even on the first temple the destruction was also on the seventeenth. Eloshimipne had Soris that because of the troubles that they had, they made a mistake in their calculation. So even though the verse states that it was the ninth, it was really the seventeenth, and they made a mistake. 
Okay, so that was number, we talked about, that was number three. And then we talked about, um, um, let's see, so what is the, one second. So the, the one was the Shtab HaLuchas, Hafka Ha'ir. Uh, I guess um, I have to look in the uh, in the um, the Gemara. The Mishnah brings down the five things that took place over there. Um, um, I guess the um, we got to go look up. But here it says that in the um, um, I've got I got to go go look it up. The Mishnah brings down all the five different things that took place over there. Yeah. That's a that's a reason for me to not give this out. The oid, and look look at together there. The oid, isa by Yerushalmi. We find Yerushalmi the gamberishen hoya b'shiva asar. That also on the first one, it was on the seventeenth. Ella shemipnei hatzores tov b'cheshbon. That because of the troubles. Of a sort of, and the other thing, what happened? Okay, so we're going to continue. So what happens is number four, the sort of apostumus harosha es that he burnt the Torah at that point, the evil apostumus, and number five, the helam tselam b'heichol al yidei rishay yisrael. A tselam was placed inside the room of the Beis Hamikdash through the evils of Israel. And that caused eventually our the destruction of the temple and also the exile of the temple. Okay, now we'll do Sifhei, section 5. So the next fast day, so now we have what? We, we went through the Vesisha Be'ov, then we have the ninth day of Ov. The ninth day of Ov, On that day, on the ninth of Ov, it was decreed on our fathers that were in the desert, they shouldn't go into Eretz Yisrael. Remember the story, the Miraglim, the spies, they came back and they cried and they said that we can't go up there. So Hashem said, you cried? I'll give you something to cry about. Uh, you cried for no reason, and you didn't believe Hashem, so Hashem uh, told them that they will not answer Eretz Yisrael. So he says, For then the spies have returned. The Jewish people cried a cry in vain. Then Hashem set it up for being a crying for the generations to come. And in that same day, that was the great destruction. The first and the second were both destroyed on the ninth day of, of, of the month of, of the fifth month. Also the city of Beitar was conquered in that day. That was a large city. It had thousands and ten thousands of Jews. And that day, the Turnusrupus, uh, he plowed the 
room, the place, the Beis Hamikdash, and all the surrounding area. And the verse that the Prophet has warned them that if they're not going to repent has become fulfilled. That Zion will be plowed like a field. And another one, so these are the four fast days. This is number four of the fast days. But there is another fast day, which is not besides the four, another public fast day, which is Tainis Esther, which is the fast of Esther, which is spoken about later on in the Kitzvah Shulchan Aruch in section chapter 141, and Saif Beis in section two in, over there. Now, of course, he doesn't mention Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur would be another, another fast day, but that's from the Torah. That's a totally different. That's for atonement. Sivvav, sixth section. Imcholu tainius elu b'Shabbos. If these fasts will fall on Shabbos, he says it in a general way, which would include the tenth of Tevis, because the halacha is not like I mentioned earlier from the Budram. He says that's his opinion. The codifiers don't agree with him, but he brings it down in a general way that if these fasts would fall on Shabbos. We will push them off after Shabbos. Now, if the 10th of Tevis comes out to the eve of Shabbos, now here is the strange thing. And Tishabov can never fall on a Friday. They don't fall, they never fall on a Friday. So, um, you know, but so we're not even discussing that. But if 10th of Tevis comes on Nerev Shabbos, Miss Anin, Umashlimin, we will fast and we'll also complete, which means we won't break our fast before Shabbos because there's something to be said about going into Shabbos while you're hungry. Because the Shabbos is one thing to fast on Shabbos, but it's also important to honor the Shabbos and not to be hungry, not to be starved when Shabbos comes in. But the the fast of Sarbatavis will fast on Friday. But he's not talking about any of the other fast days because none of the other fast days can really fall on Shabbos. And because we also know that Rosh Hashanah, first day Rosh Hashanah cannot fall also on a Friday, so that also means, uh, I mean not on a Friday, I meant to say it can't fall on a Wednesday, right? So that means that Tzem Gedalia cannot fall on a Friday, because if, if Rosh Hashanah was on, Tzom Gedali is the third day of Tishrei, so if Rosh Hashanah would be on Wednesday, then Tzom Gedali would be on Friday, but since, as I mentioned, Rosh Hashanah can never fall on a Friday, Rosh Hashanah can never fall on a Wednesday, so Tzom Gedali can never be on a Friday, so the bottom line is, Tzom Gedali, Shivasu Betamuz and Tishabov can never fall on a Friday. So we're not going to have that situation. The only fast that can fall on Friday would be the fast of Asar Betavis and also the fast of Tainus Esther. So if Tainus Esther, for example, uh, actually Tainus Esther itself uh, would, would be, uh, doesn't fall actually on Friday itself. Tainus Esther, when uh, Purim comes out on Sunday, so then technically the fast should be on Shabbos, the day before Purim. But then what we would do is we would proceed to fast on Thursday. We're not going to fast on Friday, we're going to fast on Thursday. However, if actually somebody forgot on Thursday to fast for Titus Esther, they would also fast on Friday. So, in other words, the fasting on Friday would be done. But 
the setup is the only day that is realistically, practically set up to fast on Friday would be Asura Betavis. From these fasts that we mentioned over here, the only would be Asura Betavis. <laughs> and Tainus Esther, as I said, once it's pushed off, it's made earlier, it's pushed back to Thursday, and it's not pushed back to, to, to Friday. If you didn't fast on Thursday, then you would fast on Friday. Siv Zayin, the seventh section. If a chosen, who one of these four mentioned fast days, turn out to be during his seven days of celebration. We know a chosen has seven days in which we give the chosen time to really party, and we don't say tachanun then, and those are considered very special days that the chosen is in a holiday season, but yet, even though that the seven days are like a festival, yet he is still obligated to fast these fast days. And the reason is, because it's like a private festival. It's an individual festival. So then the morning and the public fast overrides it. And there's another reason he says, because the verse says, The verse says, I always have to remember Jerusalem at the height of my joy. So when you are at the height of your joy, you should still always remember Jerusalem. You should always remember that. that. So the fact that you're fasting and remembering Jerusalem is actually an appropriate thing to do during your festival. That's one of the reasons we break a cup of the Dechupa, was to remember Jerusalem in the height of our 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 marriage. Now, Sif Ches, uh, section 8, There is a difference between the three fasts and Tishabav, in the sense that during the first three fasts, we can eat on the night that precedes, until dawn we can eat. But, provided that he hasn't slept, going to sleep, for the night beforehand. Otherwise, it starts when you go to sleep. But if he sleep, uh, sleeps a uh, full sleep, then you're not allowed to eat or drink. Unless you condition before you go to sleep that you're going to get up and you're going to eat beforehand. Otherwise, you can't eat. However, if he's commonly used to eating uh, drinking after sleeping, in the tzorich lahasnis Allah he doesn't have to uh, condition on the drinking, but he does it anyways. It seems almost like that if he if he only drinks and doesn't eat, then he would have to condition for his eating. Uh, he can only drink because that's what he does normally. Because otherwise, it's fasted as far as eating goes. It doesn't say that he can go ahead and, and eat since he drinks, because drinking is one thing, even though he's not fasting. That's what it looks like over here. So that's during the three fasts. But on Tishabov, you have to stop while it's daytime before, you know, before sunset. The night before, you have to stop eating. The other things is that Sholish Tiny Sereshainas, the first three, the other three besides Tishabov, Mutaris are permitted. Birichitza, you can bathe. Visicha, you can anoint yourself. Unilas Hasandal, you can wear shoes. And also, the Tashmish Samita, marital relationships are permitted in the other 
fast days. However, Ubatishabov during Tishabov, Asurim Kulam, Bikulam, you're prohibited in all these. And that's why when they asked me this morning when they could take a shower, it's not a problem taking a shower really on uh tish, on on the on the Tishabov, no, but on a Sarabitavis it is okay. Now also of course, in Kippur, all these things are prohibited. That's where it comes from. Tishabav, the prohibitions are a lot like Yom Kippur. The time of fasting, the prohibitions are added. The Hamisha Inuyim, those five extra called uh, people that you should abstain from, apply to Tishabav just as they do for Yom Kippur. But a person who is a person of a soul, he's healthy. And these things don't really affect him that much. He says he should be stringent in all of them, just like for Tishabov. He's basically suggesting here to start fasting earlier, not to do all these things. But but he says only in the um, uh, putting on shoes that he should not be stringent. In other words, even if you want to be pious and you want to do more, don't put it because because you're going to make a mockery out of yourself. People make fun of you because you walk in on a non-tishabov and you walk in with, uh, with, with socks, without shoes, because you're making like that. People will just make fun of you, so don't do that. But the other things that you do in private, what you want to do, you can go ahead and you want to be stringent, is fine. But he also tells you, if it's a night when... She goes to the mikvah, in which there is a mitzvah to be together. So the first three fasts, he should fulfill the mitzvah and not be stringent as far as that goes if it's a leil tefillah. Sif test, chapter 9, section 9. There is an additional leniency in the first three fasts versus the tainus of Tisha B'Av. The women who are pregnant or who are nursing mothers who are in pain. Now, if it, if it doesn't bother them at all, I mean, they should fast also. But if they are in pain, in other words, difficult for them, they're exempt from fasting. And that would also apply. Also, a person who is sick. Even though he's not in danger, you know, if a person is in danger, of course, Tisha B'Av Yom Kippur. But we're saying, even if you're not in danger, but if you're sick, Lo Yisana shouldn't fast. You should consult a rabbi, you know, people sometimes uh, will take this to extremes. And uh, If one is able to, one should fast, that's the bottom line. One should not separate himself. Likewise, the minors. Although they are not obligated to fast, if they have enough understanding that they know what mourning means, it's appropriate that we educate them only to feed them bread and water. They should mourn together with the community if they can. Again, yesterday we learned not to feed them delicacies. At least don't give them chocolate or, or candy or things like that. So if they are at the stage that they already understand what it means to mourn for the Beis Amikdash, what it means to mourn. I mean, younger than that, there's no point because they don't even get it at all. Sif Yud, section 10. To wash one's mouth in the morning. Asur bechol tainis sibur is prohibited on all public fast days. Um, I know that uh, this might be um, a leniency, 
and because of uh, hygiene, hygiene rule and the things that we're careful today, this is probably one of the things that you can be lenient uh, in order to uh, protect, you know, it's a health issue and things like that. Um, if people want to be more lenient than that to, of course, not to swallow or to enjoy or to taste, but even like uh, brushing your teeth and uh, doing things like that because of the hygiene that we are very careful today. I mean, they didn't have it in those days. And uh, uh, that, you know, we're not talking about on Yom Kippur or maybe even Tisha B'Av, but on the rest of the fast days, um, we can be lenient as far as that goes. doesn't say it over here, but I'm saying in the practical sense, that's something that in nowadays we can be lenient as far as that goes. It's uh, difficult to say with certainty one way or the other. Uh, it seems like a person who is in lots of discomfort, and again, what is the definition of lots of discomfort, uh, but would be allowed to uh, rinse his mouth and even brush their teeth, uh, uh, certainly in the three tiniest, um, which are um, not as stringent as uh, Tisha B'Av and um, But uh, Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippur, probably one should be more stringent, uh, if possible. Although the Rebbe in Hayyim Yom mentions that... Um, people uh, would not rinse their mouth during a fast day, although it's important to rinse your mouth before saying a bracha. Again, uh, based on today's standard, that people brush their teeth every morning uh, to remove uh, bad odor and to protect their teeth, and uh, the mouth really feels uh, yucky, uh, it seems that one who wishes to do so uh, is okay, can brush their teeth on a uh, fast day. It should be probably more stringent on uh, 17th of uh, Tammuz, uh, Tisha B'Av, and uh, not 17th Tisha B'Av. And certainly uh, one uh, should not do this on Yom Kippur. And um, um, one should definitely make sure not to swallow any of the either the water that are rinsing or the toothpaste uh which one doesn't normally swallow anyways but just to make extra careful keep your uh, head bent so that in a way forward so that the water should not go down but to go out of your mouth and therefore you won't be uh benefiting or enjoying uh the uh, water in a fast day what about spit um, you know, I guess the person enjoys his spit swallowing. If he can expel it, he can spit it out, let him spit it out. Not to, not to swallow. What? They used to chew tobacco. Chew. That's why. And if it's impossible, even in Kippur, if you can't spit it out, you can swallow it because because you're not intending to benefit of it. It's just, it's there. Now, this is another extension. You're cooking for Shabbos today, right? You want to know how it tastes, but you're fasting. What are you going to do? To taste the food, even to spit it out, it's prohibited on a fast day. But if a person has an uh, on his own, he accepts a tightness, his fast day. A person has a right to accept a tightness. By Mincha, the, the day before, you say, I'm going to fast the next day. So in that case, mutter, then you could 
taste and spit it out. As long as you don't eat it, tasting it could be a, that's by an individual. And also washing of the mouth in an individual fast day is permissible. And he says you to simon tov kuf samach zayin. Sif Yud Aleph, section 11. Mitzvah al-kol adas Yisrael. He just concludes it by talking about the general. It's a mitzvah for the entire Jewish community. Shal kol tzoresh That any trouble that may befall the Jewish people may not come. But if there is a trouble... They should fast and pray to Hashem for the troubles. For Hashem, blessed His name. So one thing is fasting for remembering for Tzoros to subdue ourselves to repentance. Another thing is to fast for to pray to Hashem, which is really the fast day of Tainus Esther because they were fasting to gain Hashem's help because they were in trouble, so they fasted to Hashem. Uh, if it's not appropriate time to fast, let's say you can't fast them, because you want to fast, you want to pray to Hashem, but it's a non-fitting time to fast, and the reason is because uh, those who are being chased, you got to run, and you're not going to fast, you need your energy, people are being chased. They can't fast because you don't want to break their, their power. They should accept upon them to fast a certain amount of fast day when they will be saved. So even though you can't fast right now, but you say, I will fast when Hashem will protect me. That's counted as if they had fasted now, just by saying we were going to fast. As we find in Daniel, the Ksiv, he says, He said to me, Altira, Daniel. Don't be afraid, Daniel. From the time that you placed your heart, you un- placed your heart to understand, to fast, your words have been heard. Hashem listened to you already when you made that decision that you're going to fast. So you don't actually have to fast yet in order to gain Hashem's help. And this is actually true, not only in uh, fasting, but in any good decision that a person makes, if you decide to do something positive, uh, then, of course, you have to go through with the positive what you decided. But already it counts, a good thought, Hashem combines it and brings it together with a thought, it has a little difficult meaning. Hashem gives you an opportunity to do the Maisa. But this is already counted. This is very important to Hashem to accomplish what it needs to. So, in this case, deciding to fast, you already get Hashem's help.